Turn together to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Uh, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's an absolutely timeless message, 2,000 years after Jesus first preached this message, uh, it's still as relevant today as it was then. God's Word is always relevant. Nothing is out of date in God's Word. Jesus pulled no punches this hard-hitting sermon. Time and time again, He challenged His hearers uh, regarding their values, their morals, their attitudes, their actions. From time to time during it, he would say, You have heard that it was said to those of old, but I say unto you. So in other words, this is right up to date. That's what he was telling them. I know you've heard things from old, but I say unto you right now. And so it was a tremendous message. He talked about almost every major issue that a human being can face. Emotional issues like worry, anger, relational issues, things like marriage, divorce, and how we get on with one another. Moral issues like adultery, greed, lust. Spiritual issues, prayer, fasting, seeking God, knowing the heart of God. All of these were major themes and issues that he covered. Now, by the time Jesus was nearing the end of his sermon, I think it became very, very clear to his listeners that what he was advocating was a completely different lifestyle to anything they could see around them. And so it was a massive challenge to them. However, it must have also been a, a disappointment. Uh, the reason why I say that is because what he was saying was very restrictive. What he was saying was limiting. What he was saying was setting boundaries. I remember that these people who grew up with a religion that was highly, highly restrictive, that had all kinds of limitations, that had hundreds and hundreds of commands. And Jesus came along and preached freedom, liberty, a gospel that would set men free. And yet, in this great sermon, he puts down boundaries, limitations, restrictions. And so it must have been a little bit disappointing for them to hear that. And what they began to realize very quickly was that to live this lifestyle that Jesus talked about, this is the kingdom lifestyle, and to live this lifestyle, it was going to be quite difficult. Sacrifices would have to be made. Changes in lifestyle would have to be made. In order to gain, you'd have to lose. In order to live, you'd have to die. In order to receive, 
You'd have to give. Everything was the opposite to how this world thinks. Now, Jesus was very good at gauging what his audience was thinking and how they were reacting. And he sensed what they were thinking while he was talking. And towards the end of his message, right here in chapter 7 of Matthew and verse 13, he says these words. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And few there be who find it. So this was quite a challenge, wasn't it? Knowing what they were thinking, sensing how they were reacting. He absolutely just hit the nail on the head. And in one stroke, Jesus here is contrasting two lifestyles. Two different ways to live. Two choices. A broad way and a narrow way. A broad gate and a narrow gate. What is the broad road? The broad road is what represents consensus. Public and popular opinion. An attitude, well, everybody's doing it, it must be okay. That's how the Broadway thinks. There are no spiritual speed limits on the Broadway. You can go as fast as you want. There's nothing to stop you. You can make up your own rules as you go on. You can do whatever you like. And the trouble is that you will find many on the Broadway, if that's what you think, you'll find many on the Broadway who will absolutely agree with you because it's a broad way. And those who are on the broad way talk to others who are on the broad way. Think like others who are on the broad way. And so you'll find many who will agree it has no limits seemingly has no barriers. In fact, we're used to people saying today that we want to push the boundaries. We want to push the boundaries of taste. We want to push the boundaries in the arts. We want to push the boundaries in the movies. We want to push the boundaries in literature. We want to push the boundaries in every way possible. We don't want restriction. We don't want limitation. We want to push the boundaries. And so we live in a generation that our parents would blush. <laughs> they would blush at what we see and what we hear and what we read daily. Why? Because the boundaries are continually being pushed. People talks about we want to broaden our thinking. How often have you heard that? You're too narrow in your thinking. You need to think more broadly in this modern world we live in today. We have got a government who, <laughs> particularly this coalition government, and there's so many different ways of thinking in it, and then they say, but it's a broad church. <laughs> in other words, you can think whatever you like. You're part of the government. You can have your own thoughts and everything. And so they're constantly making this road broader and broader. But remember, a river without its banks is a swamp. 
A river without its banks is a swamp. And once we keep broadening and broadening and broadening, we're in a swamp, aren't we? In Psalm 2, <laughs> the psalmist says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth sent themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, notice what they say, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. In other words, don't bind us. Don't limit us. Don't hem us in. You're all a bunch of bigots. You're all a bunch of narrow-minded, puritanical bigots. That's what Christians are being faced with every day now on TV. You belong to the dark ages. <laughs> no, we belong to the kingdom of God, which has got entirely different ethics and morals and values than this world has got. And that may seem very, very narrow, because it is narrow. It's a narrow way. It's not a broad way we live in. The Broadway's motto is, live and let live. Tolerate. Allow. Have no standards. The Broadway says there are many ways to God. Pick one. Only be sincere in it. It doesn't matter which one, as long as you believe it. That's the Broadway thing, isn't it? The Broadway says, as a Christian, you don't really need to change your lifestyle. It's the way the Broadway thinks. Sure, you can become a Christian. That's fine. You can go to church. That's okay. But you can do everything else as well as you like. I saw in the paper last week where, a, I don't even know what the woman's name was, but she was a, a playmate in a pornographic magazine. You know what she says? I have my Christian values. <laughs> and I thought, what? Christian values? But that's the way the Broadway thinks. See, you can be in a Christian, you can do whatever you like, it doesn't really matter. That's the Broadway, you see. You're too narrow. You're too restricted. You need to think wider and broader. Popular opinion says today, well, gambling must be all right because the government legalized it. Government's legalized a whole lot of things that are not right. <laughs> They're going to legalize a lot more things that are not right. They're not legalizing it because it is right. They're legalizing it because it's popular. Because it'll get them some votes. They'll just go with the flow. It doesn't really matter about God's word or Christ or religion. Jeremy Clarkson was blaspheming Christ in his program recently. Church of England minister wrote into the head of the BBC, complained about it. You know what he said? Look, he says it's everyday language, and we have to reflect everyday language. It's okay to blaspheme Jesus. He didn't blaspheme Muhammad. Didn't dare do that. But it's okay. You're too narrow-minded. Broaden your horizons. Think like everybody around you. But this is what we face today. The broad way may appear to be the right way, but it isn't. 
Proverbs 14 and 12, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it leads to what? Leads to death. Seems right, looks right, feels right, but it's completely wrong. Now remember, it was the broad way that crucified Jesus. He was too narrow for them. He was certainly too narrow for the religious crowd, wasn't he? <laughs> too narrow for them when he said he was the only way to heaven. That was too narrow. Too narrow for them when he said he was the Son of God. That was too narrow. Too narrow when he said that his kingdom was not of this world. So they crucified him. He was too narrow. Too narrow for the secular world, wasn't he? He had too many principles. Too honest. Too ethical. Too pure. Too holy. Too humble. So they crucified him. If we are going to live as true believers in this world, then we will be singled out as narrow-minded people. You better get used to it. If that offends you, you're going to be in deep trouble. So we better get used to it. Because we live in a very narrow world as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. Jesus said this was a narrow road and it's a straight or narrow gate. Few there be that find it. So the Broadway is well signposted, isn't it? Its philosophy is everywhere. Screams at us from the billboards, from advertising, from TV, from our newspapers, from the radio, from education, from science. Everywhere there's a Broadway. That's the worldview that this world has got. But we're in this world, but we're not of it. So we're to have a different view. A completely different view. Now that's going to cause friction. It's going to cause a clash. It's going to cause all kinds of problems. I wonder how long it will be. I want, I'm serious. I wonder how long it will be before there's a law brought out against Christians that you can't teach that Jesus is the only way to God. I wonder how long it will be in case it offends somebody else. You think that couldn't happen? <laughs> 10, 20 years ago, you didn't think the laws they're passing today would happen, but they happened. And so we live in a society that thinks the broad way. In Romans chapter 12, it's always been the same for Christians. That's why the Word of God is always relevant. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not allow this world to mold you into its shape. One translation says. Because that's what it wants to do, isn't it? 
The world wants to pressurize us and mold us and shape us and get us to think that how it thinks. And every single day of your life, you're faced with that. Paul says, don't allow the world to mold you into its shape. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How are you going to do that? You're going to do that through the Word of God. Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining to all riches, to the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted, built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. It was no different in Paul's day 2,000 years ago than today. The world was trying to shape the believer into its mold. Do you ever think whenever Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you ever think that whenever they were the slaves in Babylon, how that their names had been changed to those names? Why did they do that? They wanted to change their identity. They got Babylonish names. They wanted to change their whole identity, their whole way of thinking. They're in a pagan world. They're at the University of Babylon for a few years. How many knows when you go to university as a young Christian? <laughs> It will try to shape you into its mold. So there's nothing new in this. It's always been this way. It's always going to be this way. Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God, what people think is foolishness of God, is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, not many wise according 
to the flesh. You know that word wise? Not many wise. That word speaks of someone with, who's super intelligent. Someone with great academic ability. The intelligentsia. People with powerful minds. Now, there are some who have come to Christ with powerful minds, with super intelligence. There's scientists. There's all kinds of people who has got that. But generally, by and large, that's not the case. It's not the case. Because oftentimes it's their super intelligence makes what God has done for us in the cross through Christ foolishness. The Greeks, who were intelligent ones, called it foolishness. The Jews, they just wanted a sign. They wanted something miraculous. The Greeks looked at it, the smart people, and thought, that's nonsense. Couldn't believe that. It's foolishness. So not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. And then 1 John chapter 2. I think we read this just the other week in connection with something else. Verse 15, Do not love the world, the broad way, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Jesus was absolutely making sure that we know there's two ways, a broad way and a narrow way. Lots of times people will not come to Christ because they don't want their lifestyle to change. Even though they know it's true, and even though they know the Word of God is true, and even though they know that Christ died for them, they just don't want to surrender and submit because they don't want their lifestyle to change. Well, the world says, you don't need to change your lifestyle. It's fine, it's okay, but that's the broad way. We're on the narrow way tonight, amen? The narrow way. Some restrictions, some limits, some regulations. Now these are necessary. These are for our benefit. They're a blessing. Now you see, the problem is, whenever you know that the gospel is a message that sets you free, that brings you liberty and freedom, when you know that, that's wonderful, and it does. But sometimes people who say that, then they throw overboard any restrictions. I'm free. But there are restrictions, and there are some limits. Imagine if the government, you get up in the morning, and the government on the news said, from 12 o'clock noon today to 12 o'clock midnight tonight, there will be no restrictions on how you drive your car on the roads. 
There will be no traffic lights. You can totally ignore them. You can ignore road signs. In fact, you can drive whatever side you like. When you come to a roundabout, instead of going clockwise, you can go on the clockwise. Just however you can brake as hard as you like. You can drive as hard as you like. What are you going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay in the house. <laughs> I'm not going to go out driving tomorrow if that's the case. I want those restrictions. Don't you? Because they're for my good. They're for your benefit. And you find if God restricts you, it's not to kill your joy. It's to make sure you have joy. That you don't lose your joy. That you don't lose your peace. That you don't lose what God has given to you. So we need some restrictions. It's a narrow way. It's a narrow way. It takes some courage to walk this narrow way. Noah, in Hebrews chapter 11. Noah, in his day, this is incredible, isn't it? Noah, in his day, was the only one. Imagine, of all the people on the face of the earth, God looked down and he could only find one man who was willing to walk his way. Just one. Out of all the inhabitants, just one individual Noah and verse 7 of Hebrews 11 by faith Noah being divinely warned of things not warned of things not seen moved with godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith one man one individual in the whole world decided I like God's way. I'm going to go God's way. I'm going to do it God's way. And God looked down and says, I'm going to use that man. And because of that man, his family was saved. And because of that man, the earth was repopulated. Because of one man who decided he would walk the narrow way. You never know the influence you will make in others because you walk the narrow way. Yes, others will laugh at you. Others will think you're nuts. Others will think you're losing out. Sometimes you may think you're losing out, but you're not. But if you walk the narrow way, you can influence others that you maybe don't even know about. We mentioned Daniel and the three Hebrew boys. Can you imagine out of all the thousands, tens of thousands of the Flower of Israel, who was taken captivity into Babylon. Out of all of that, there's only four mentioned. Out of all of those. Now, maybe there was 7,000 that had bowed the knee to Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But it tells us about these four. They stand out. And they would not buy. And God saw that they would not burn. And even though Daniel had to go into the lion's den and they had to go into a fiery furnace, but it was a narrow way, it was a very restricted way, it was a very limited way, but they stayed in that narrow way. And after all these thousands of years, we still talk about them, don't we? Yosef Nadarkandi, that's a hard word to say, isn't it? Yosef Nadarkandi has spent 
hundred days and more in a jail in Iran for no other reason than they received Christ as a Savior. They began to preach it. And they started as a church, as a pastor. That's all. Didn't fight the government, didn't kill anybody, didn't steal. Just told everybody about Jesus. And here he is, after 900 days, he's in a prison. He's not with his wife, he's not with his children, he's not with his congregation. He's in a prison tonight, right now as I speak. And all kinds of threats has been made in his life. Some say he's under the death sentence. The Indian government say, no, that's not true. But he's still in jail. And it's probably only a matter of time before he is killed. He may be released. Maybe the Indian government will do it to look good to the rest of the world, but you never know. But he's still there. They've asked him again and again and again to recant, to deny Christ, and he says, I can't do it. That's a narrow way, isn't it? That's a very narrow way. You've got to admire his courage. You've got to admire his stand. Are you praying for Yosef? Have you ever offered up a prayer for him? Say, David, I've only heard about him. Didn't know about him. Well, now that you do know about him, will you pray for him? Will you pray for his wife? Will you pray for his family? He is prepared to die if that's what it takes to stay on that narrow road. Jesus talked about narrow gate. Imagine a turnstile. I'm sure you've all been through a turnstile at one point or another. Think about a turnstile is only one at a time can go through. Nobody can take you through it. You've got to go through it yourself. It's a narrow way. And so here is this narrow gate. The thing about a turnstile is you can't take baggage with you. You can't take the baggage of the old life with you. It's got to be left behind because it's a narrow gate. And you can't get in with all of that baggage on your back. You've got to take it off to go through the gate. How narrow is this way? Very narrow. Jesus said in John 10 and 9, I am the door. I'm the gate. I am the door. If by me anyone enters, he will be saved. Peter said, Neither is there salvation in any other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. That's narrow, isn't it? Doesn't allow for any other. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Paul said, there is one mediator between men and God, the man Christ Jesus. And so Jesus and the gospel writers are all saying the same thing. There's only one way, and that's through Christ. He is the only door to heaven. There is no other gate. There's no other door. 
Hmm. Aren't you glad tonight that you're on the narrow way? We used to all be on the broad way, didn't we? Then the Holy Spirit came. As Clifford said this morning, the Holy Ghost came and shook him up. Made us very uneasy about our life and where we were heading on the Broadway. Well, for a while it was good fun, wasn't it? We enjoyed it. Let's be honest. But then the Holy Spirit convicted us. And then for the first time we saw where we were heading on the Broadway that leads to destruction, Jesus said. And thank God the Holy Spirit convicted. And thank God God gave us the faith to believe. And thank God we received Christ as our Savior. And then suddenly, instantly, we moved on to the narrow way. And boy, what a change that was. So different, wasn't it? Some of you maybe grew up as children and got saved when you were very young and you maybe have much recollection of all that. Others, we were later on in life and we... <laughs> Uh, the night I got saved, uh, I just happened to be, I was on night shift that night and I knew I was going to go into the factory where I worked. And let me tell you, I knew it was the Broadway I was going into and I was now on the narrow way. <laughs> and they were going to take no prisoners. They were going to have their fun and they did have their fun. But that's all right. I had made up my mind. I was going to go on that narrow way. I've never regretted it for one single second. Not one second. Best decision ever made in my entire life. Aren't you glad you're a believer tonight? And so eh, mothers may misunderstand you. They may not know. They may, not, they may laugh at you. They may put fun at you. Fine, let them have their laugh. It doesn't matter. We're going God's way. And maybe you'll just influence them enough to see that there's something different about your lifestyle. Because that's what the world looks at. They don't listen to what you say. They look at what you do. Don't they? Because you do something wrong, they'll soon point it out to you because they're watching every moment. So you have to live this narrow life before them. And then they may just want to know, why do you do that? What is the difference? And then you can share Christ with them. Amen? God's good, isn't he? Aren't you glad tonight that we know Christ? There are millions, there are billions out there that does not know Christ. There are those who have never heard the, even the very name of Christ. We've got to do our part to try to reach. That's why we're inviting Paul James to come and to hold this evangelistic four nights. That's why John and Tessa are doing the witness workshops. That's why Johnny Brady and Jason has done the Christianity Explored. Why are we doing all of that? to try to reach out before these four walls and tell people about Christ and get them saved and get them washed in the blood. Amen? Amen. And get them on the narrow way. <laughs> Let's pray.